This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. The last week's Pasha for a couple of minutes. Um, we didn't hear last week. We're going to go back to Pasha before we get to Kaira. So there is a story. There is a story. Okay, so there's a story. Well, first of all, let's learn a Gemara for a minute. Gemara and Tainus. So it says in the Gemara that um, that the fifteenth day. Okay, it says like this: Amar Shimon, Amar Shimon ben Gamliel, Lehaya. There weren't Yamim Tayvim Yisrael. There weren't Yamim Tayvim for Yisrael. Kichamisha Asav Av Ukiyam Kippur, like the fifteenth day of Av. And Yom Kippur. Ask the Gemara, Bishlemi Yom Kippurim. I understand that Yom Kippur was an amazing day for Klai Yisrael. Because it's a day when we're forgiven for our sins. It's a very big day. It's the day that we got the second set of Luchos that lasted. El Tuba of my. What's the 15th day of Av? Why is that? Why is that? An unbelievable day, the best yontiv day uh, that Klai Yisrael has. So Amar Yehuda, Amar Shmuel, Yom Shehut Shvatim Levoi Zevazet, that the Shvatim were allowed to marry from Shevet to Shevet. That's one shot. Amar Rabbi Barachana, Amar Rabbi Yechana, and Rabbi Barachana. So in the name of Yechana, again, it's on the bottom of Lamed Amid Beis and Tainus Gemara Tainus. What happened? Yom Shukulei Boy Mesei Midbar. The day that the the Mesim in the Midbar stopped dying. Now what happened was um, that they were punished for the Maraglim because on that night that the Maraglim came back so that they, they complained about Eretz Yisrael so it says that the Jews cried and Hashem said you cried for nothing there was no reason to cry here now you're going to cry for something the Samish was destroyed, Spanish Inquisition started, the Holocaust started, everything, anything bad that happened to the Jews happened in World War One. Anything that, ha- that was bad happened on Tisha B'Av. Shem said, you cried for no reason, now I'm going to give you a reason to cry. Okay, so what happened? So there's a machlik, that's what I want to talk about. Um, so on the 15th day of Av, so the, the Jews stopped dying. The, the, what Hashem said was that all the Jews at that point, when they, when Muradim went in and came back complaining, any Jew that was above 20 years old, right, when he left Mitzrayim, they died. They didn't go into Israel. So how did they die? Right? Was it a, was it a plague? How did they die? Says Tysus. Yom Shabbat Kulay Mesim the day that they stopped dying in the Midbar, was the 15th day of all of the 40th year that the Jews stopped dying. There's a every Tisha B'Av at night 
they would dig a grave outside the camp of Kleistral. Each man would go out and he would of that age and he would and he would dig a grave. They, they would lay in it. In the morning there would be a voice that would come out and would say, that uh, whoever's alive can walk and go, and whoever's not alive, they would they would cover him up with sand. The year that it was over, everybody who laid in their graves got up. So they knew nobody died. They knew that that's it. That's it. The Xer is over. But they thought, maybe the reason that everybody got up. Now, this is according to the first man, the Yama that holds, that once a year, all the men would lay into, in the ground, and that's how they would die. And every year, over 40 years, a certain amount of men would die. By the 40th day, it stopped. So here they all got into their graves, and everybody got up. So they said, maybe it was the wrong night. Because according to the first, and they're thinking that the only, only time they died was on Tisha B'Av on that night. So they're thinking, we all laid down, we all got up, maybe it wasn't the ninth. Maybe, maybe, we, had, maybe we mixed up the days. So it's not for sure that we should be happy, because maybe we just, maybe we did it on the 10th, maybe we did it on the 8th. Maybe we missed it. Atual halavana malaya. But they, they kept, so they kept doing it after that night. They kept laying in the graves, and they all kept getting out. And they, they weren't sure enough to have mixed up the whole month or the whole days. But when it came to the 15th day, what do you have on the 15th day? There were full moon. So on the 15th day, they saw that the moon was full. Ah, they realized the Xer was over, because now it's the 15th. So definitely the night passed. And nobody died. So they realized, Baruch Hashem, the Xer is over, and no more people are dying in the Midbar. Uperish HaRajbam, Kol HaMem Shonim. So he's, the Rajbam says that all, it's brought down, I think, Baba Basra, Dav Kof Chofal, Fomen Aleph, Kol HaMem Shonim, all 40 years, Loi HaYu Meitzim, Ela B'Tishabav. Nobody died in the Midbar, except on Tishabav, they would dig these graves. Now, I never saw a reason why this was a way to die. But I thought to myself, because they spoke Lashon Hara on the Adama, on, on the Admas Eretz Yisrael. They spoke Lashon Hara on the, on the land of Eretz Yisrael, so that's Taka, was their punishment, that they had to go into the land of Chutzlaretz and not come out. Sounds good? Yeah. An idea that I had. I'm not sure, I didn't see it anywhere. Yeah. But well, otherwise, well, I'm always into Mida, can I get Mida? What's the Mida, can I get Mida? Why they just get a disease and die? Shem said, you spoke Lashon Hara on Eretz Yisrael, you don't want to go into the land? So you're going to go into the land that you want to be over here. You're talking, you're going to lay in the land. You're going to, you're going to bury yourselves, and, and some of you are going to die. So, so he says, "Beferish the Rajbam, Kol Amem Shon Lo Hayu Meisim Elav Tishabov." They only died on Tishabov. Uchol Tishabov Hayu Meisim. They all, they all died. But he says, all, but he says, for different pshat, and he says, "Yesh Befarshim." Some people say, "Shahayu Meisim B'Chol Yom," that they did this every day. They would go at night into their graves and they would come out in the morning. But most of them died on Tishabov. On the 15th day of Av, Paschak Zera. The Zera was over. Nobody died. They made a big Yantif. You can imagine they made a big Yantif because the whole Zera was over. That's the Gemara. So there's a, in Tais, I mean, that's Tysus. The Tysus seems to have two opinions here. One opinion that they would go into their grave every night. And one opinion, that they would go into their grave once a year on Tisha B'av, and certain people came out, and certain people didn't come out. Okay.
Now, according to this, so I found this to be like, I've been speaking about this all week, since actually two, two weeks, I wasn't here last week, but I'm speaking about this to girls and to kids and to people and to whoever I can meet, because I think this is like unbelievable. So he reads down a story in the Torah Tavlin 1, which is out of print, um, in the Torah Tavlin 1. So it says, in the Pasuk, by Midbahazer, in this desert, Yiplu Pigrechem, Recall Pigdechem, Lechol Misperechem, Ibenesim Shalom. In this desert, your corpses, your corpse will fall, all of you who were counted according to your numbers from 20 years and above. Whoever was 20 years and above that left Mitzrayim, they were going to die in the Midbar. So they say a story about Rabbi Mordechai Kamenetsky, not Rabbi Yaakov, who was an old man in Yerushalayim, and he was a very big tzaddik and a very big lambdim. And, um, at two o'clock in the morning, he said, I guess he used to go to sleep, whatever. And he would get up at two o'clock in the morning, and in the dead of night, he would go through the narrow alleys of Shari Tzedek in Eretz Yisrael to the big shul, where he'd spend the night learning Torah and saying to him, one night, half an hour after Ramadan had fallen asleep, something woke him up earlier than usual. So he said, instead of, instead of waking up at two o'clock, he woke up much earlier. So instead of going back to sleep, he immediately jumped out of bed and he sat down to learn. He didn't go back to sleep till two o'clock. So someone asked him, why didn't you, why didn't you continue sleeping at least till two o'clock? That's when you usually get up. Imagine your alarm clock every morning you get up at six o'clock. That's an imagination. But let's say every morning you get up at six o'clock. And you wake up at four. So you're going to get out of bed and go to Mikvah and start learning. So you're going to turn around and go back to sleep. Till six o'clock. Then you're going to go to Mikvah, whatever you have to do and go learn. Here he jumped out of bed. So the guy asked him, I understand, it's, it's not two o'clock. Why are you here in Shul? Like, why did you jump out of bed? Why did you go back to sleep? So, he said, Nevedek. He said, imagine, and you can imagine in your head, that every night, or even once a year, but let's say every night, so you had this grave outside the camp of Kleistral, and you would lay down in it, that you were tired, that you would go to sleep. And you knew that it's very possible that you're not going to wake up in the morning. Because that's how, that's how the people died, right? So imagine the father, because he had to be between 20, right, and 40 years, or 60, between 20 and 60 years old, depending on when this happened to him. So he's a father, and he's a husband. So imagine that when he had to leave the house, he has his kindleach in the house, his wife, and he's like, listen everybody, I'm going to sleep, I'm going outside the camp of Klai Yisrael. I'm going to lay in my grave, and it could be kindleach that tomorrow, I'm not going to be here anymore. And you're going to come, and you're going to find a dead corpse, and you're going to have to bury me. Could you, could you imagine the pachad of these kids? Could you imagine how he felt? Walking away from that family. Can you imagine how many times he turned around to wave to them? Can you imagine his wife, how she cried? That Yassel, I hope that tomorrow morning you'll be one of the ones that come back. We, we can't even be massive. What it means that a person knows he's walking to his death. And he may never see his kids again. Could you imagine when he laid into that cold ground and he closed his eyes to go to sleep? And it says that if someone tried to stay up all night, so he won't die, he would end up falling, he'd end up falling asleep from how tired he was. 
And he talked with you couldn't beat death. You couldn't beat that. You couldn't beat this death. So the the davening and the prayers and the feelings when he laid down in his grave knowing that he may not wake up tomorrow morning because that's how the Jews were dying in the Midbar had to be crazy be crazy when you closed your eyes you knew you, the tshuva and the crying and the, the, the turning around on your children and your wife and walking out into the desert to your death had to be crazy had to be sick had to be unnormal the emotions had to be unnormal now can you imagine waking up the next morning and opening your eyes and with that sunrise that they used to wake up and the sun is in your face and I, I'm alive and then you turn to the guy next to you in the grave next to you and you're like Chaim did you make it also? he's dead and the guy on your right he's dead and you're alive could you imagine how you're gonna first of all you're gonna jump out of that grave the minute you wake up you're like I'm out of here man you know what I mean I'm alive you won't stay one extra second in there not an extra second that's for sure and I promise you if you wake up an hour before sunrise you're up you're out of there you're not gonna lay there and go I'll go back to sleep we'll see what happens maybe I'll die in in the next hour that's for sure you would never do that that's 100% for sure Right? You jump out of there like you never jumped out of anything. Could you imagine at sunrise, so you had these hundreds of 600,000 men laying down in a grave, and how many wives and children were waiting at their tent at sunrise to see if Tati's coming home? Looking. Is Avramel there? Is Tati there? Do you see him, mommy? Is he one of the ones that's coming back? Or we have to go out and put dirt on his face in the grave and bury him? Do you imagine the crazy, sick emotions every single day in the midbar? And according to the other man, the Amar, on, on Tishavov, what went on? You can't imagine such a thing. So this Rav, Ramarcha Kamenetsky, said, if I wake up early, you think I'm going to take the chance and go back to sleep? Because when a person sleeps, he's dead. It's one sixtieth of Misa. You're totally disconnected, even from your phone. Even from the internet. You're sleeping in the other world. You're dark. You don't feel anything. You don't see anything. You don't smell anything. And some people don't wake up. And some children, have crib death. And some adults die in their sleep from apnea and from all kinds of other things. And for reasons that person just didn't wake up. And nobody really, no one, you know, we don't know why he died. So he says that every person, I remember, I had a Rebbe. I don't know the Yiddish saying, but that your bed is your kever. You better your grave. Stay out of it. You used to always say that. You sit up and learn. Stay, you should be so happy to stay out of it because once you get into that bed and close your eyes, you may not wake up the next morning. And that's why we have the whole thing of Kriyashma Lamita. And we say Hamapo. And we say everything that we say because that might be it. Yeshebe say, say Elion, the whole thing. That might be it. And if you look in that Rizal's um, Kriyashma, you talk to say, you talk to say Vidui. You say a whole Vidui and you say Tachman. Because no one's guaranteed that they're going to wake up once they go to sleep. So Rabbi Kamenetsky, he said, Rabbi Kamenetsky said, you think I'm going to wake up and go take a chance? I, Baruch Hashem, I can say, Modani, I got my soul back. I should go back to sleep and take a chance not to wake up? No way. I'm up, I'm going to learn. So I, I, when I spoke, I said, I said today in seminary, and, 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 and I spoke last week, I said, 
And if that's how you look at life, if that's how you wake up in the morning, what an amazing day you're going to have. You jump out of bed, you're like, I'm up! I'm alive! I'm not one of the dead ones. I'm here for another day, till tomorrow night, for sure. I got a whole day. And if you're a father, imagine when they got out, when they woke up in that kefir, and the sun was on their face, and they realized, I'm alive, how they ran as fast as they could to the machana. That they, they should hug your kids. I'm alive for another day, boys. Or I'm alive, according to the other man, I'm in the Gemara, this. I'm alive for another year. I'm alive for another year. Do you imagine waking up and knowing that you're alive for another year? So he says, if a person looks at every single day the same way, if you wake up early, you're not turning around in your grave and going back to sleep. You're like, I'm up early, I'm out of here. I'm going to learn, I'm going, I'm going into life, I'm going out. I'm, life is so precious, there's no guarantee every time you go to sleep that you're going to wake up in the morning. He says, a person has to feel like you're in the midbar. When you get into that bed, you have to feel like I'm laying in my grave. I hope I wake up in the morning. And I'm going to get into that grave as late as I can. I need a certain amount of sleep, but I don't want to lay in that grave any longer than I have to. So the person comes time to that person has to look at your bed like it's a grave. You have to try to stay out of the box. Try to stay out of the grave. If a person looks like that, your mom is going to have a different day, and you're 100% going to accomplish a crazy amount more. Which ties into, I spoke, um, what's tonight, Tuesday night. I spoke Sunday night in the five towns. They had a Tunisia um, about the internet. Like they had in Flatbush last week, and they had in City Field. Um, so they asked me to speak, and I had the chutzpah to say yes. Um, because the opening speaker was Ramatzel Solomon, Mashkiach of... Uh, of Lakewood, so like, who am I to speak after him? And uh, the second speaker is Rabbi Dishon, who's like Rosh Hashiv and Stalin, whatever, Rabbi and Stalin, whatever it is. So I had the chutzpah to say yes. I don't know why, but I had the chutzpah to say yes to speak with such people. Anyway, so I got up third. I was up third. I'm always up third. I don't know why. Um, I do know why. See, in baseball, I'm in the OBBL league. I'm in, I'm in the OBBL league. So the OBBL league is a softball, baseball league in the summer. Which is, I look forward to it because I used to be a big athlete and now pretty much all I could play is baseball. I used to play hockey. Hockey is, I'm too old for hockey. Basketball, too lazy. And, um, so baseball, I used to be in left field. I used to be, I used to be, they used to call me the vacuum cleaner. You hit the ball anywhere, center field, left field, I caught it. But about 12 years ago, a guy hit a high fly ball to, um, to the third baseman. And it was like a foul ball to the third baseman. And I was way out in left field, and I was screaming, I got it. So that's not, that's not a good sign. If you're out in left field, you think you got it. Third base. So they all realized that his um, ability to see the ball is not so good, if you think. So they put me on first base. So now I play first base. You don't have to move. Just stand there. They throw the ball to you. You know what I mean? You don't have to do much. So, so I, I don't know. I always find myself being up third. So now, I used to be a great baseball player, so you put a guy who could hit the ball. First two guys get on base, and then you have number three and four. They have Rahman, it's Rabbi Wallstein, you know, to put me from batting third to batting ninth. Because that's where they should put me. But, you know, as covered, they put me up third. So, I always pray that the first two guys on my team should get out. Because then if those two get out, and I get out, it doesn't matter. No one on base, so I got out, no big, nothing happened. 
If those two get on base and I get out, it's really bad. So usually the first two guys on our team were a very good team. First two guys get on base. So the whole team is always screaming at me, just take a walk. Take a walk. Get on base. Don't swing. Take a walk. So I have this thing like, I'm number three. Everybody wants me to take a walk. You know what I mean? Take a walk. So I'm up number three, and Rabbi Joe spoke amazing. Rabbi Joe spoke amazing. So I get up, and um, I said something really scary that I'm sure that the people who asked me to come speak were saying like, oh no, like what did we do here? Why did we ask him to speak? I got up and I said the following, which has a lot to do with this, with this Gemara, this Tysus. I said, the internet's not the disease. And the cell phone is not the disease. And the filter doesn't really help. Now, this is a Knisa for filters. Now, Wallstein was up third at saying that the, that the filter doesn't really help. So I saw this lack, look of panic on the certain rabbis that asked me to come. I'm here to, to speak about filters. And, they were all these, and I'm like, and the filters don't really work. So they were like, oh no. Right? I said, before you throw anything at me, let me explain to you what I'm saying. And this is very, very important. Can you see a filters was great my Rebbe said as I told you two weeks ago that you had to go because you had to make a machah you had to make a protest to show Hashem that it bothers you what's going on in the world even if you can't help it you have to show it bothers you that's why Eov got punished he didn't complain when it came to the vote by by um, Paro on throwing the children into the he knew he would lose the vote because Paro and Bilam already voted yes and he was the only one left but Kresh Baruch Hu said you didn't protest when, so, when something hurts you, you cry in pain. Crying in pain never helped anybody. You have a broken leg, you can cry from now till it won't fix the leg. You gotta go to a doctor. People who are in pain, they got burnt, right? They got a burn, and they're screaming in pain. It doesn't fix the burn. So why are you screaming? It's not helping you. And the answer is, when something hurts, you scream. So Hashem's Eov, even though Eov didn't, didn't, didn't vote with them, but Hashem said, it doesn't seem to have hurt you. If it would have hurt you that they were throwing Jews into the Nile River, you would have said no, even though you lost the vote. So now what's going to happen to you, Eov? I'm going to put you through pain and pain and pain. You're going to understand that when something hurts, even if you can't fix it, you'll scream in pain. And you should have screamed in pain. That was the, that was the meaning that connected me. So my Rebbe said, you have to go to Kinesia. Even if no one walks out of there, nobody changes. You have to protest Hashem. You have to tell Hashem, it bothers me. This bothers me. The internet bothers me that so many kids are getting lost and so many people are getting divorced and so many problems with people with Shemir Sinayim. It bothers me. I can't stop it. It's out of control. Kishbuch bothers me. You could stop it. I can't stop it. So that's why, that's why, that's why Rabbi Gamaliel felt that everyone should go. And when they had to see in Flatbush, should go, even if you can't change anything. You should protest. What does protest mean? Protest doesn't usually change anything. Usually doesn't. Protest means it bothers me. Ah, you're not going to change it. It's already law. I'm going to protest because it bothers me. You have to show Hashem something bothers you. So, I said, so the Knesset, my opinion, helped in one thing. Because the bottom line is, if you want to watch something on the internet, and there's a filter, first of all, most of my friends that got filters, most people that got filters, have a password to disengage the filter in case 
they need to go for business, something, whatever it is. Like, like even Torah, anytime, I don't believe, like my, this year, if you have a filter, you can't see this year because it streams. And anything that streams, the filter blocks. So if you want to see the shear, you have to disengage your filter. So that means you have the passcode to disengage your filter. So then why do you have a filter? If you're not a disengage, you want to watch something you're not supposed to. That's number one. Number two, kids are way past us. They can tell K9 how they can break through K9. They know how to break through a filter. And at the end of the day, they can go to their friend's house. They can go to the library, because the library has open to watch whatever you want. Right? I saw some kids in Staples, right? We'll go to Staples because they have computers, playing with the computers online. If you want to get something online, you, your parents can have filters from here till tomorrow in their house. You just walk out of your house, you go to your friend's house. You buy a CVS little cell phone for 20 bucks and then you put $3 a month on it and you have internet. You beat the system easy. So the filter doesn't really help. Because the filter is not the disease. The, 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 the internet is not the disease, and Facebook is not the disease, and, all, and the cell phone is not the disease, and texting is not the disease. That is not the disease. That's the symptom that there's something wrong with the person. But it's not the disease. What do I mean by that? So, what the filter does is a Gemara that says like this. The Gemara says that if a person wants to do an Avera, a man wants to do an Avera, right, something immoral, Dress in black, Gemara says. Get dressed in head to toe in black and go to a far away town. And if you have to do the Avera, that's what you should do. Now, my Rebbe never told me, if you want to do an Avera, get dressed in black and go to Florida. Right? Or go to California. My Rebbe said, you want to do an Avera? You can't do an Avera. You're not allowed to. What's this Gemara telling us over here? Want to do an Avera? Put on your black pants and your black shirt and black hat and go do an Avera in Florida what are you talking about don't do the Avera what do you want to do an Avera dress in black so they ask the Kasha on the Gemara Gemara telling you here Gemara should say you want to do an Avera control your Taiva man so my Rebbe told me what's the Gemara saying so the Gemara says something unbelievable and it's so true by the time you get dressed all in black and you leave your house and you go to a faraway city, you're not going to want to do that there anymore. Because the power of the Yitzhahara is immediate gratification. I want it now. I want to think about it. And I want to do it now. If we give you steps that are going to make you think about it, you're not going to do that there. You're going to feel bad about it. Also, part of feeling guilty about doing an Avera is the preparation to do the Avera. In other words, if it happens in a moment, you won't be able but to go and get dressed in black and then travel on a wagon to a faraway town. You're sitting on that wagon, you're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Uh, it's premeditated Avera. Most people don't do premeditated Averas. They do an Avera. No, it's not what the Gemara is saying, like, like, like the Fas Tayat, the Gemara is saying, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell the guy, no, Right? You can't do it. He's going to do it right now. So it's like Yifastoya, right? There was never, there was no Yifastoya. But, or there's Machoikis. But, so the, so the, the Torah tells you that if you're at war and your adrenaline's pumping and running, you're allowed to do it. So now you don't want to do it. Because the Gemara says, the, the, the Torah says, if, if I told you you can't do it, you're going to do it. 
Right? But I push it off and push it off and push it off. Shlep, you want to do an Avera? What does the Gemara say? Shlep the Yetzirah to the base Medrash. One second. I should shlep the Yetzirah to the base Medrash? I should bring the Yetzirah to the base Medrash? And the answer is, you take the Yetzirah and by the time you get to the base Medrash, you have to shlep them and you're not going to do it on the moment, you're not going to want to do it anymore. Or trick them. Tell them I'm going to the base Medrash to do an Avera. And then he'll help you that all the lights will be green, your car will start, everything will run well, because he's going to think you went. And then when you're in the base measure, say, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. That's why I got to the base measure so fast. But Lemaisa, the steps in between, they slow you down. They slow you down, they make you think. So, if I have a computer, and I have a filter, and I want to see something really not nice. So, if I don't have a filter... It's the push of a button, and it's there. I have a filter, I feel a little guilty. And I have a filter, and I have to disengage the filter. I have to put a code in to disengage the filter to do an Avera. Nah, I'm not, I'm, not, I, that, 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 I'm not ready to do that. And if you had to do a couple more steps to do it, right, to get a password and this and that, that slows you down. So the, 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 there are two worlds. There's a world that man made, and man is still making, the world Hashem made, it took six days, he made a world. That's the real world. The world that man's making, apples coming out with stuff. We continue making man-made world. We continue making new stuff, new stuff, and new stuff. And the Yitzhahara's Kayach is immediate gratification. So DCL, DSL and super DSL and supersonic DSL is that I don't have to wait one second. Why? Because in his world, the Yitzhahara's world, hesitation works against him. As we know, that when Avram Avinu, when Avram Avinu, when Yaakov Avinu fought the Satan, the first time they went hand in hand, it was a spiritual fight. It wasn't a physical fight. It's not like you can't beat a Malach physically. He's not a physical being. So you, you're punching, what are you punching? So it was a total spiritual fight between Yaakov and, and, and the Malach. Now Yaakov didn't beat the Malach. Everyone thinks he beat the Malach. He held the Malach. He didn't injure the Malach. He didn't knock him, knock his eyes out. He didn't, break his wings, he didn't, you know, crack his feet, he just, he held them down, but he didn't, he didn't beat him, and the Malach said, I cannot beat you, but in 2012, I'm going to take your kids down, so he hit him in his groin, and Chazal in the Zerah says, what groin represents having children, so the Malach said, I can't hurt you, Yaakov, but I sure am going to get your kids. So when he told Yaakov that, when he said to Yaakov, I'm going to get your 7th and 8th graders and your high school boys and your post-based marriage boys and your married man, it's going to come 2012, there's going to be cell phones, there's going to be internet, it's going to be pornography, there's going to be filth and dirt that a kid could get in his room, on his phone, in base medrash, in his tender, in the bathroom, wherever he wants. He doesn't have to go, and when I was growing up, your mom should have to go to I lived in Muncie. If you wanted to see something you weren't supposed to, you had to go to this one magazine store was in Spring Valley. Well, then even in Muncie. And you had to get a ride there. And then everyone's like, why are you going to that store? Right? So you had to, you had to take a, a bus or a ride or a hitch or a walk. And when you finally got to that store, you had to make sure nobody was watching. And if you get into the store, you had to look around like you were looking for potato chips. You couldn't look like you were looking for anything you weren't supposed to. And then you'd say, you know, put it in a paper bag. And, you know, it was a whole gantz of mice, and then you were scared to get caught in the paper. So you're like, I'm not doing this. It's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. Today, you're going to do anything. You push a button. You push a button. Forget about going to buy 
Arab Shabbos, any any Jewish any Jewish paper or anything, and the Arabs specifically on Avenue J put every filthy magazine in front of every single kid. Forget about that. Just just on an app, on a phone, on a, on a, on a, on a what's it called? They sent to your house on a catalog. You don't you don't need to go anywhere. The Yitzhara just got got smart at the end. And he said to Yaakov Avinu, "Let me tell you my kayach." So Yaakov Avinu said to him, "You're going to hurt my children." You're going after my children? I'm not letting you go. I'm not letting go of you. You want to hurt my children? Unless you tell me who you are. I need to know your essence. Not all the bluff and fluff. Who are you? So he said, Mashmecha. What's your name, man? A person's name is his essence. So he asked the Satan, Okay, I hear you're attacking my kids. I need to, def- I need to defend them. Mashmecha, what's your essence? Who are you? So he answered, Lamaza Tishal Lishmi. Why are you asking me my name? Now, Malachim don't talk like that. Those are Jews. You ask them a question, they ask you back a question. <laughs> this this Malach wasn't a Jew. This Malach was Esau. And Malachim, they're, they're not, they don't know how to think. They don't think. So it's not like, hey, why are you asking me this question? Right? They don't think. So what's going on over here? You know why I'm asking this question. You just told me that in 2012 you're going to go after my kids and you're going to destroy them. And I'm asking you, who are you? What's your essence? So he didn't, he didn't ask him a question. He said, Lama Tishal, Shmi. Don't ask no questions is my name. Just do it. Like Nike, just do it. Right? Just do it. Don't ask no questions. What does that mean? Don't think. The person who thinks, asks questions. Once you ask questions, you beat the Yitzhar. When he tells you to do an Avera, you start thinking, I don't know if I should, I don't know if it's the right thing, how am I going to get forgiven, I don't know. He lost you. He is, push the button, enter. I, the whole, I didn't get a chance to speak about it there, but I was speaking about it today in seminary. His world, it's a world, he created a world. There's two worlds. We live in two worlds. Man-made world and the real world. He created a world, but the Satan is Shekhar. So he cannot create a world of real. He can't. He doesn't have the ability to create anything real. So there's no wind, and there's no rain, and there's no sunshine in a computer. You can have a sunrise in your computer, you're not going to get a suntan from it. You can have a screensaver that has fish in the water, and you're going to put your hand on the screen, you're not going to get wet. It's not a real world. Because he's not real. His whole, his whole thing is called dimyon. It's mirage. So he can't create anything real. So his kayak is to bring you into his world. So if you look at the whole internet, because really we see by, we see by Purim, when they didn't know how Haman wrote the whole Zerah, he said, go look how Haman wrote it himself. It'll tell you everything. And then he looked, and, he, and what does it say? Lo'avdom, to destroy Klaishwa, which spelled Lo'badam. That he didn't write it in blood. The, 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 the attack on the Jew, if you look into the words, the one who created it, you can see, but what he created, you can see what it is, what it's all about. So, what's the button that you push to get where you're going? You guys don't have computers? You're trying to like make believe you don't have computers? Enter. When you push that button, enter, 
you have now entered the world of the Yetzirah, of the Satan, of Dimyon, of, of fake. You have entered. He's saying, enter. Look at the word. Enter. Now, what are you entering? The web. The net. The internet. You're entering a net. What does a net do? A net captures things that don't want to be captured. It captures fish and it captures birds or whatever the hunter wants to catch. He catches butterflies. The butterfly doesn't want to be caught and the fish don't want to be caught. So you are mama sitting there and here's his, his world and it's dark. It's a dark world. The screen is dark. The screen is black. It's a dark world. To enter his world, you have to turn the on switch on and then you have to push the button wherever you're going. Push the button and enter, you don't go. So later on, when you give, when you give Dim the Chesman after 120 years, like so many people are going to say the same thing. What do you want from me? God, you, you put me in a, in a day and age of technology, computers, of porn, of, of filthy movies, of, 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 of Facebook, of talking to girls, all this. What do you want from me? Abraham Avinu didn't have it. And the Sultan's going to be standing right next to you. And he's going to say, I didn't put you anywhere. What do you mean? You created that world. Yeah, but you pushed enter. You pushed enter. I didn't put you in that world. You walked into the world, my world, from your own will. You have nothing to say to Bezdem Shalmaiwa. Because I was very careful, said the Satan, to create this world that you have to enter on your own. You have to push the button. So don't come and blame me. You push the button, enter. And I warned you that it's a net. And I warned you that it's a web. That's what I called it. You came into my net, and you came into my web. Oh, now you can't get out? The fly that comes into the web don't, doesn't get out. And the fish in the net, even though they're jumping up and down, you know that story? Maybe take a marshal from the Dugram market. Unbelievable marshal. It says that, so fish, if you know anything about fish, so the old fish, they're like, they call them bottom, they live on the bottom, on the, on the ground on the bottom. That's where they live. They get old on the bottom. You have all these young fish, you know, cool fish, and they're like, hey, look at all you old guys stuck on the bottom. Action's up there. So the old fish never say to the young fish, the action ain't up there, man. Up there, they catch you. And they fry you. They cut you out. They take out your bones. Right? Some of the Jewish guys, for shalashudas, they put you on the plate with your eyeballs. You know, the whole fish, the whole white fish, you know? You're going to be laying on the... Then all the kids are going to come shalashudas, and they're going to play with your eyeballs. I remember we used to pop them out. And then, by the time they finish all the shooters, it's just a skeleton, you know, in the middle, especially by the rabbits, everyone puts with their hands, and all that's left is the bones, and oh my God, you know what's waiting for you up there? You know what they do to you up there? They fry you, they marinate you, they put you in sushi, they wrap you in rice. And the young fish are like, ah, all you old guys, you don't just, you want to scare us. You just want to scare us, because you're too old to swim up there. And the old men are like, no, they're waiting for you. So this one fish says, maybe it's true. 
Maybe it's true. Maybe up there is really a bad place. Guys in yeshiva, I'm going to go check it out. School of fish, you get the joke? Okay. You didn't get it. Went right by you all. Right? So, she says, let me check it out. I'll come back. I'll let you know. So he swims to the top. And he sees through the top of the water a boat. But he can't see out of the water what's going on. So he decides he's going to jump. Fish jump, right? He's going to jump out of the water and see what's going on. So he jumps. And he sees that in the boat there's a big net. And in the net there are hundreds of fish. And all the fish in the net jumping. Up, down, up, down, high, five feet, six feet, jumping. And he swims back down. He says, guys, the old fish, they're a bunch of liars. They're partying up there. They're all jumping. And they're like, really? He said, I saw my own eyes. I promise you, I saw my own eyes. We're swimming around like this. The guy's up there. It's Canadian. It's the movie theater. It's life. It's DVDs. It's, it's, it's the internet. It's girls. It's rap music. It's, they're jumping. Those two stupid rabbis get up on Torah anytime and tell you don't listen to Goyish music and get off the internet. Bunch of old guys at the bottom of the sea. I saw it myself. I went on the internet. I saw the dirty movie. It's amazing. This stuff's amazing. The music, it's crazy. The nightclubs, you gotta go clubbing. This is crazy. I saw it. Those to the rabbis. So, okay, must be right. So they're like, we can't wait to get caught by the net. We can also have fun. So they wait. There's a whole bunch of fish. Of course, the fishermen see a bunch of fish. They put down the net and they catch them. And they bring them onto the boat. And now they start jumping. And they realize they're not jumping for fun. They're jumping because they're dying. And they're gasping for air. That's why fish jump. When a fish jumps, he's dying. And it's five jumps, and he's dead. I'm a fisherman. Five jumps, and he's dead. And he's laying on his side with big giant eyeballs because he's trying to get oxygen, he's trying to get air and he can't. And he's dead. It's just the death of all our souls. It's too late. So the old fish, how did they get old? How come they're not in the net? Because they stayed on the bottom. Because they heard from others that what they're waiting for on top is just going to kill you. So the the Satan got better and better and better at creating this internet, this this fake world that people get up, husbands, and I know men, from from men that wait till their wives are sleeping at night and sneak downstairs to, the, to their office in their house 
to watch pornography and terrible things while their wife is sleeping, while they think their wife is sleeping. Or vice versa, that she's waiting for her husband to go to sleep and she goes downstairs. Or for her husband to go to work and she's watching it during the day. And their marriage is falling apart. And the Sultan's sitting there smiling. Because what you're seeing on the screen is not real, it's fake. And if you turn the lights on in a movie theater, you can't see the fake. You can't see the, you can only see it in the dark. A movie you can only see in the dark. You can't see in the light. I mean, you turn on the light, everyone starts screaming, turn off the light! Of course you can only see it in the dark. It's created by the dark. Of course you can only see it in the dark. So the whole world that he created is totally fake. A sunrise isn't a sunrise. An emotion is not an emotion. You know, I told you, it's just amazing. I, I proved Tzchiyas Mason by movies. My proof that people say, I don't believe, I don't believe in Tzchiyas Mason. I'm like, what do you mean? Do you ever go to movies? Yeah. I said, you have a favorite actor? Yeah, your favorite actress? Yeah. I said, so the last movie you saw, what happened to this actress? She, uh, she died of cancer. I'm like, really? Well, she's in a new movie. How'd that happen? Two years ago, she was in a movie. She died of cancer. How could she be alive? The whole thing's fake. And not only that, you can watch the movie. She dies at the end. My wife, everybody, they're all crying. Everyone's crying. It was a great cry movie. Remember in the old days? Right? Before I decided that it was not a good thing for us. Years and years, a long, long, long time ago. Every once in a while, we had to take our wives to a cry movie. We wanted to go to army movies and karate movies. And they wanted to go, good cry. We have a good cry. Watch a movie. She gets sick and he loves her. She's dying. She dies in his hands, and he promises he'll never get married again. And oh, everyone, the whole place is passing me a tissue. And of course, the guys are laughing because we can't show that we're crying. So everyone, everyone, the boys are laughing, but they're really crying. And the whole place is like right, everybody's crying, whatever it is. And then the movie's over. And then, if you wait twenty-five minutes and you pay another five bucks, movie starts again. She's alive. Starting over again. She's alive. You just cried that she died. Now the movie starts. In the beginning of the movie, she's alive. So you could do that like five times in one night. You could watch someone die, cry about it, and then watch her reborn in the next 20 minutes later when they put the movie on again. Meshuggah, what are you crying about? She's an actress. She went home that night and had supper. She didn't die. What are you crying about? What are you wasting emotions Tears that could probably save a Jew with cancer, who could probably, we could probably bring the ship, all those tears that are wasted on a book. A crying book, and a crying movie, and a crying television show. It's, it's not real, and there's something's laughing. He's laughing. What is he taking from us? What does he want to take from us? Why is the internet so busy? Because the greatest thing that we've spoken about this, that Hashem has ever given us, is time. So if he could steal your time, then he's stealing your essence. So he just kept hitting us with stuff. Cell phone, internet, what's it called, uh, blackberries, you can BM or whatever, be something to each other, and you can, and he continues new stuff and new stuff and new stuff to make sure that you have absolutely no time to live in God's real world. And more and more the human being, not just the Jews, not just the, all of us, more and more, we're moving out of the six days of Bereshis. Hashem created trees and plants and flowers and animals and humans. And we're moving into a world of digits, of false pictures where you see a sunrise on a screensaver. It doesn't exist. Where you talk to people without talking. 
with your fingers. God didn't create your fingers to talk to people. He created your mouth to talk to people. Where you're giving emotions to actors and actresses who are not real. And that is his objective. And that's what I said. I said, the filter is not what it's about. The question is, why do you need to leave Hashem's world and push enter? Why do you need to leave that world and go into a world that doesn't really exist? A girl told me, I have not read Wallstein. I get one girl, she's like bothering me all the time that I should be on Facebook. You could do so much Kirov and there's so many Kirov organizations. Wallstein, you would have 30,000 friends the first night you get on Facebook. And you could, you, I said, I can't handle one friend. They're going to do it 30. They're going to be 30,000 friends. They're going to want to borrow money from me. You know what I mean? The one friend I have, he always comes to me, like, can I borrow money? I need 30,000 guys calling me, I need to borrow money. Like, so I said, how many friends do you have? She has 900 friends on Facebook. I said, you have your, you have your, uh, your Blackberry here? You have your internet here? She goes, yeah. I said, do you know that I could go into your phone right now and I could kill all 900 of your friends? She goes, what? I'm like, that's right. Give me your phone. So she gives me her phone. She says, you can't. I'm like, sure I can. I turned it off. They're gone! The screen's black. They're gone. I said, I wish I could do that to some of my friends. I can't make them disappear like that. You can only make them disappear because they were never here. Something that's here, there's no such thing as magic. Real magic. Something that's here, you cannot make anything in this room disappear. But on your screen, I can make everything disappear. I just turn it off. I can't turn anyone off here. Even if I shot you, you don't disappear into thin air. You're there. It's a dead body. I can't make you disappear. But if I can make you disappear, what do you mean if I make you? If I can make you disappear, you know what that means? Disappear. It means you never really appeared. You're living in a world that's not really there. So he's got to keep coming up with new strategies and new stuff to take you out of the real world and put you into the fake world. So I said to all these there's a hundred rabbanim there. There were over a thousand people there. I said, it's not the filter. It's the enter. Why do you need to go into that world? Go into yourself and find that. And most of the time, it's because you're really not doing well in this world. You're really not doing well in the real world, so you want to go to the fake world. And then you have to go inside yourself and figure out, why am I not really doing well in this world? Why don't I want to be... I, I have no... And I'm not, I wish I could tell you that's from a Frumkai point of view. I have no interest in being on the internet. If I have time, I want to talk to you guys. If you're sitting here, you're real. If I have time, I want to smell a flower. I want to eat a fruit. I want to go on a mountain. I want real stuff. I want to sit today with my safer in the backyard and have real sunlight on my face. And I like a little bit wind blowing also. Why would I want to be on this? This this is a little... Look at it. Why would I want to be on this? You can't squeeze me into this. This is fake. Falls into the toilet. I'm done. I have to put it in the next world in a, in a, in a box of rice. I don't have for a cell phone that falls in the toilet is a box of rice. So, so I said to the, all these people, I said, it's not the filter. Yes, the filter is get dressed in black and go to another city, and it will protect you one step. It's going to make you think. But that's not the disease. 
The disease is, why are you on this for seven hours? How many people in this room right now, and how many people watching my share right now, in the last three, four weeks, we all know that kids are taking their finals. There's nobody in this room that doesn't know a kid that's taking their finals. And today we know the finals are not easy for kids. They're crazy out there. My daughter had 87 pages she had to study for a final in halacha. And every page had 20 halachas on it. Shugam, they're out of their minds. 1,740 halachas she has to study? Kids 14 years old? 1,740 halachas? What is she? she, she next year she's she taking smicha? In Beis Yaakov they give smicha? 1,740 halachas? But that's, that's the way it is today, right? So how many people in this room said, you know what? There's no one in this room that's so illiterate that you can't teach a first grader how to read. Hebrew, Aleph, Beis, Chumash Rashi, a little advanced, right? Gemara, Mishnah, math, first grade level, math, second grade level, social studies, science. Do you know how many kids are in school right now that are struggling and failing and their parents cannot afford because a tutor is $50 an hour, $50, 45 minutes, that's the worst tutor. Good tutor, 75 to $90. You can't do it. So the kid's struggling. So instead of your two, three hours on your phone or on your Facebook or wherever you are on your internet, I'm not talking seven hours, I'm talking three hours. Imagine if you walked into any yeshiva and you said, I know that the children are taking tests right now. I'm willing to give the yeshiva two, three hours. If you know there's a poor kid who can't afford it and he's struggling in Chumash, I'll take the lowest three kids in your cl- in, in, in the class, second grade, give me their phone number, you can check me out, I'll learn with them. How many guys did that? Nobody. Why not? Because you're not living in the real world. So you're busy with the fake world. Now, could you imagine walking into a kid's house with a second, third grader who's not doing well in the Chumash and sitting with him and maybe he's in a Chassidish yeshiva, so he only speaks Yiddish, or he's a Yiddish speaking guy or an English speaking guy, sitting with this kid who doesn't know you and you walk in, you're like Superman. You're like, I'm going I'm to learn with you now for the next hour, I'm going to help you. And you do that twice or three times a week, and the kid gets a 70 on his test. And the first person he's going to call up is you. Mr. Wise, you're not going to believe it. I passed because of you. Do you know how you're going to feel? Let's go out for pizza. Let's have a pizza party because you passed. How good you're going to feel in the real world that you taught some kid? There's no one in this room right now that cannot teach a first, second, third grader. Forget about an 8th grader, 10th grader, 11th grader, because some of you can do that too. So what are you doing in those three hours? What do you have from it? Nothing. You were fishing a net that was jumping up and down like a mishugana. That's what you were. So what did you do? And the din and cheshbin that we give in the next world, the main din and cheshbin, I gave you the most precious thing, says Hashem, which is time. We want to see what you did with your time. That is the din and cheshbin in the next world. That's the whole day of What did you do with your time? And then they're going to show you what you could have done with your time. So now, I asked this question in front of a thousand people. Not one person in the last three, four weeks, knowing that these kids, the kids are all over Kleistral are taking finals, not one person offered to help a kid. Not even their own. Forget about somebody else's. Why? they're busy. People came over to me afterwards and said, you were unfair. I'm like, why? Because I was busy. I'm like, you're so busy you couldn't give one hour 
Fakir, you're a liar. Go back into your time and look at what you were busy with. Take a kid that's depressed and even if you don't know how to play basketball, take him to the park and shoot hoops. Time, what you could do with time? How you could change the world with time in this, in the real world? In the Sheshesh, you may have braces? Not in that world. You can't do anything with time in that world. You can do absolutely nothing. Because it's not, it's not a real world. Time has nothing to do with it. Once you enter that world, there's no time. You can sit there for eight hours, and you're like, you don't even realize you're there for eight hours. Because he's got all these lights and ding-dongs and bing-bongs and to keep you busy, to keep you up. And that's what we're going to have to give Din B'Cheshman on. So now, all those guys in the midbar, but they thought they were dying that night and they went into the kever. What do you think? They woke up, the first thing they did was check their messages. Is that what they did when they woke up in the morning? Let's see who called me last night. They're like, I'm alive! Khani! Maishi! Hold up! I'm alive! I'm coming home! Screaming at the top of his lungs! Running in front of everyone! So his kids should see that he's alive. They shouldn't have another second thinking that he's dead. You think he sat there and texted everyone back? I'll get to my family soon. I got a couple of messages I gotta send. I gotta answer. So we're in the same, we're in the same place. We get up every single morning, we're in the same place. You woke up, you're alive! So what are you doing? You run to your kids. I'm alive! Tati's alive! To your wife, I'm alive! We, I have another day! I hope I have another day. What a different, what a different outlook on life. I got another day? So what am I doing? This is my last day on earth. Because tomorrow morning I may, I may, I may not get out of my kever. My bed's my kever. I may not wake up. My last day on earth, what am I going to do with it? And it's on the internet, look at pictures. That's what I'm going to do with my time. What am I going to go around and, and give my family the most time I can, and my business, and my davening, and my learning, and other people, and help, and do? That's what I'm going to do with my time. So it's a war. It's the war of the world by H.G. Wells. It's the war of the world. It's Hashem's world that he created in six days, that's real, and it's a Satan's world that he continues creating. Recreating and recreating and recreating. And that's the war we're in. And that's the essence of the disease. And the essence of the disease is why to you, and I, I can't answer that question because everybody has a different answer. You can answer that question. You need to go inside yourself and say, why do I need to push enter? Why do I need to leave this world? Why is this world so miserable for me? When I can do so much for this world, why am I so miserable? That I need to go into a fake world where I could be anything I want. I could go on Facebook, and I could take a picture in the Hamptons of a Maserati with me in front of it, in a big house, and then I could Photoshop my face, and then I could Photoshop my body, and I look like this bodybuilder, gorgeous actor, and you know, and then you put up there, I'm 18 years old when you're only 12. And you get all these crazy answers from all these crazy people, and you're so happy, because you're not you. You're so happy that you're not you. You're somebody else. So you're sick. So there's something mentally wrong with you, and emotionally wrong with you. If you don't want to be you, so the question is why? That's the disease. The disease is not the porn and all that other stuff. That's not the disease. That he put there. 
so that when you come into his world, he wants to destroy your neshama and everything else. But if you were online for eight hours, I know kids that are online for eight hours playing games. They're not watching anything dirty. They're not on Facebook playing games for eight hours. Forget about online. They sit there and play games for eight hours. What's that all about? That means I don't want to be in this world for those eight hours. I'm in a fake world. And they play the same game where the guy falls in, the guy falls in, the guy falls in. You get to the next level, you get to the next level. So I asked the kid, this kid never is really sick. He sits home. He's already four years home in a locked room. His parents have to put the food underneath the door. And he plays on a computer like a battle. And there's like hundreds of people around the world that are, that are playing on this computer. He's never, never he's, he's sick. And that's all he does. And he lives in this fake world. And I'm like, what happens when you get to the end of the game? Okay, level one, level two, level three, level five, level nine, level 12, end game. Okay? Does the computer open up and millions of dollars come flying out? Like what? What do you have? End game. So what does he do? Starts the game over again. What are you doing? Your mouse like a rat that spins, you know, on that little thing that you know, they spin, the hamster? Spinning, spinning, spinning. What do you have at the end of it? No, he went nowhere. He's so happy, that little hamster. So little hamster in the pet store. He's running. Right? It's so much fun. You might even buy the hamster and take him home and watch him. Spinning, spinning, spinning. Idiot. Where are you going? You're going nowhere. The hamster's in the same place. He's happy. Spinning, spinning. Are you a hamster? That's what you are. You're a hamster? Just spinning, spinning, spinning and going nowhere? So he was naive with the story of Mordechai Kamenetsky. He got up early. He jumped out of bed. And I have to tell you, it happened to me this morning. Last night, Rosh we had our dinner. And Hashem is, Hashem is the best. And the people came. We made a macha. We had five days ago, before the dinner, we had 180 people coming. That's pretty sad. Men and women all together, right? So that's like 90 and 90. And last night, we ended up with like 600 people. In five days. We couldn't get in. We didn't have enough food. <laughs> five days. Wow. Hashem. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I, I thank everybody that made a macha. Everybody that came, made a macha, was absolutely amazing. It was, it was a beautiful dinner. It was absolutely amazing. And we're doing things. We're doing things. You, you, you have time. You have to use it to do things. You can't do that if you're, living in, if you're living in a fake world. That's the war right now. I wish they would have talked about this in City Field. It's a war for you. What world do you want to be in? The real one or the fake one? It's a war. Shemayim is fighting. Kishbaruch's world that he created is fighting the fake world. And I guess and most of, most, most of the world... The fake world is winning because we have no idea what to do in the real world. So you have to remember that that sleeping, you need to sleep for as much time as you need. So this morning, so last night was the dinner, we finished very late, and then we're talking very late, and then I had to go down Meyer very late. So I came home very late and I said, Today I'm sleeping late. I am not putting on my alarm clock. Whenever I wake up, I wake up. A schmack of feeling when you go to sleep. I don't have to be tomorrow morning in a certain place. I'll be up for Kriya Shemana, that's for sure, because I automatically wake up. I have a window where the sun comes into my face, and at a certain point, I'm going to be up. I'm not going to miss my Kriya Shemana, but I'm not getting up at 6 o'clock. Whatever I wake up, I wake up. When do I wake up? 5.48. <laughs> that's when I wake up. Five, the big clock in my little mic. 5.48? Come on. This was the morning where I was just going to sleep. So I'm like, I'm going back to sleep. And I'm like, no, you're not. You just learned this. You woke up. You're up. You're alive. What are you going back to sleep for? So I said, you know what? I'm giving this share. This is what I'm learning. I'm not going back to sleep. 
So I didn't go back to sleep. I took a shower, got dressed, and I went to shul. Started my day early. Amazing day today, Bliyayin Hara. I accomplished more than I usually accomplished. I could have gone back to sleep because the mice I made up that I'm going to get up without an alarm clock. But after hearing this, I'm, I felt like I was laying in bed. I was like, I'm in my grave. I'm not doing anything in here. So I'm going to go back to sleep to do more nothing. I jumped out of bed. I'm not going to tell you that it's going to work every time, but this morning it worked. And that's how a person has to think. We have to think that I have life, and I can help a little kid, and I can tutor somebody. So many kids need so much help. And you don't have to be in Kiruv, and you don't have to be a Rav, and you don't have to... There's so many parents that would grab you that a kid needs a, a big brother. You don't understand how many kids are depressed. And what happens to this kid who's going to fail, final? So now the yeshiva's like, I don't know if we can take him back. He's not doing so well. You know, he needs to go to one of those alternative yeshivas. And that poor kid is going to end up going with the derech and doing drugs and whatever it is because he has no self. And you, every one of us, could give that kid self. You could say, you're a great man. Let's go out to eat. Let's learn together. Just don't abuse him. That's all. Be safe, and, and but you're, you're healthy guys. No one in here is an abuser. So why can't you help a kid? Why can't you learn with a kid? Because we're very busy the whole time, living in this box that helps absolutely nobody. It owns us. We don't own it. I refuse to allow this to own me. I don't have somebody got so angry at me yesterday because I went to somebody for money for an hour. So he sent back an email to me how much money he's going to give me. But I don't have email. My my web uh, filter is that I don't have. So to get send me an email, it goes to Avivit, my assistant in the office. The reason I did that because I deal with thousands of girls. I don't know what they're going to send on email. Some girl's going to send me a picture. If I have my own email and she sends me a picture, maybe I'm going to look at it. So Baruch Hashem, it all goes to her. And if she prints it out and sees there's a picture. It goes into the garbage. If she prints it out and there's some nasty email, right, that's not clean, not saying what it's supposed to, it goes into the garbage. I don't see anything until she sees it. And then she puts it on my desk, my filter. So there's no way that you can get to me. Because I don't have a Blackberry. I don't have a computer in my room. I don't have, there's no way you can get to me. That's my filter. Now, so this guy, I went to him, and he sent me an email of how much money he's he said, I'll, I'll, send, you know, I'll let you know. And he sent me his email. And I meet him by the dinner. And I don't know that he sent me the email. So I'm like, oh, thank you for coming. And he says, thank you for coming? That's what you're thanking me for? I'm like, yeah, thank you for coming. That's it? There's no other thank you? I'm like, I don't know. Is there another thank you? He goes, I can't believe it. You don't think I gave you enough? I don't know what he's talking about. I'm like, what do you mean? You gave, you gave me something? He says, come on. I sent you an email six hours ago. You don't read your emails? <laughs> I'm like, I don't have a Blackberry. You don't have a Blackberry? You run all this without a Blackberry? I'm like, yeah. Then he said, what's that robot thing? What's the other phone called? Android. An Android. You don't have, no, an Android. It's an Android. You don't have an Android? I'm like, No. And I took this out. I said, I have an antique. <laughs> That's what I have. I have an antique. I don't have an Android. I have an antique. He says, you don't even know what I gave you. I'm like, absolutely not. He, I said, the girl that 
Revit is busy with the dinner, so she's not printing out Rabbi Wallerstein's emails. She's busy with the dinner, so we'll look at it, whatever. He says, I- I'm sorry for being chesh at you. I thought that you didn't feel I gave you enough. I was like, no, I didn't. You want to tell me what you gave me? He goes, no, you read the email whenever, whenever you get a chance to read the email, whatever it is. I don't have email. So I'm dead? No, I'm the old fish on the bottom of the water. You're not getting me in that net. I'm not going to be hopping up and down, grabbing air. No way. I want my neshama to live for a long time. In this world and in the next world. I'm not falling for the jumping fish. Because I've seen enough jumping fish guys. And they're all gasping for air. And they're all dying. I know when a fish jumps. I'm a fisherman anyway. But when a fish jumps, he's dying. He doesn't jump if he doesn't need to gasp for air. And he only gets to jump five times. And he's dead. And then he's on your plate either in wine sauce or matches or depending how, how, how you cut them up and you put them in delicious, he's great I'm glad that they all jump into the net it's beautiful, it's good for us it's a very big lesson and that's the lesson of the, mid, that's the, lesson of the Midbar the lesson of the Midbar is that every single night you're in your grave and Hashem gives you back your neshama and, what do you, and every single night when your neshama comes up to Shemayim he gives you a report exactly every second of the day what you did. You stick it into the DVD player and it plays you 24 hours. Exactly every second what you did. It's pretty scary. So listen to the old fish boys. Stay on the bottom. Nice and quiet. Stay in the water. Mayim Zetaira. Mayim Mitzvah. Stay in the water. Don't jump out of the water. We're fish. We're, we're neshamas. Our neshamas have to be in the water. Have to be in the Torah and have to be in the mitzvahs. It looks great out there. The Goyim, their parties, everything, their rap music, all that stuff. They're having the best time in the world. It looks great. They're just, they're just jumping there five times. But at the end of it, they get old. The fun is gone. They don't have anything. They're dead. Go to Shemr Shabbos tomorrow. Do yourself a favor. Go to Shemr Shabbos Shul tomorrow, 13th and 53rd. At 11 o'clock, you'll learn something really big. From 11 o'clock, I believe it's 11, from 11 to 12.30, Rav Turnau Olashlam used to give the share, now his son gives the share. The shul is full of people who retired. They're not retired. They're 85, they're 90. Some of them are being wheeled in by like these male nurses with oxygen, and they sit there for an hour and a half every morning. Just sit there and look at them. They're alive. They all used to argue with Rav Turner. I used to sit there. Just tell me the Chacham that are saying. They're all just plain, plain people. And they're alive during that share. And they're smiling. They're sick. They're old. The minute the, minute the share is over, they're crutching. Move out of the way. Why are you in my seat? The minute the share is over, they're back to being who they are. But during that share, there's some old fish at the bottom of the water. It's worth learning. And then... Watch a boat, go to the park on Avenue L in the afternoon and watch all the old people sitting by tables playing poker, playing cards and screaming at each other and they're miserable. And they're just playing cards and wasting their life doing absolutely nothing. It's a lesson. I'm telling you, I, I do it. Sit there and show me Shabbos, you will see where you're going. If, you're, if you keep Torah and Mitzvah, see where you're going. And a lot of those people that sit there are not Tamil Chacham. They're not. You can see they're not Tamil Chacham. 
They're coming to learn. They're 90 years old. And they love it. They love the water. They want to stay out of the net as long as they can. Forget about the internet. They have no idea even how to use it. Learning Torah and staying in it, don't push. Enter. Stay out of the web and stay out of the net. Even if you have your own website. I don't own anything, Rabbi. I don't have a house. I don't own it. Got a mortgage. My car is leased. I don't have $5 in the bank. But I have my own website. And you can't have it. And you can't have it. It's mine. He's brilliant, the Sahara. He's brilliant. It's my website. Now you reach me, it gives you that individuality. It gives you that power. It empowers you. It does. The internet empowers you. It's my send, send me an email. It just goes to me. It's, 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 it's a whole cell. It's brilliant. He's brilliant. Mashmecha, what's your name? Don't ask no questions. Party. That's my name. We have to step out of that world. And I, I'm not an old, even though I'm an old fish, but I'm not an old fish. I know, I, I know that you need technology. And, and again, I will tell you, the filter is great. For the people who want to do wrong things, and the filter gives you that dress in dark and go far away. It's, it's very, very good. But Lamaise, if you're healthy and you're connected to Hashem in this world, you can go on the internet and do your business, you're not going anywhere else. You know, the Yitzhahara is smart enough that even though you don't want to go anywhere else, he's got these pop-ups and lose weight and all this. He's got all these pictures. He doesn't leave you alone. He doesn't leave you alone. I was in somebody's house and I wanted to play a video of my, of, of my school. And, and so he had, what's it called? He had, um, he had one of these filters. So it couldn't play because it streams. Whatever it was, it couldn't play. At the same time it couldn't play, it went on to AOL. It could go on to AOL. But then when you're on AOL, you can't go to any sites, right? As it went on to AOL, there's pictures on the side of the news of that day. And the news of that day happened to be three girls won the Miss Pageant with that. And I'm in the guy's house, and he's filtered. He's totally filtered. K9. He's K9. So he can't get my school that I want to show him, right? But he goes up to AOL and allows it to go on AOL. I guess then it doesn't allow you to go further. And on AOL, the head page on the news, I'm like, are you crazy? What are you looking at? And he's like, yeah, it's the news. I'm like, Ugh. He's, he's too smart. He's got your beat. He can't push enter. He's got your beat. But if you're healthy, and you're a person who's taking your time during the day, and you're helping people, you're going to go on the internet for business, right? And you're going to get offered as fast as possible because why do I want to be in a grave? Why do I want to be outside the world if I can be inside the world? So i got to do my work. I'm not, I'm not getting up here. I'm not stupid. I'm not telling you... Don't go on the internet on business. You have to, you have, that's the way it is today. You have to be able to email in business. But if you're a healthy person and you're connected to this world, you're going to do your business and you're going to be happy to get off it. It hurts my eyes. It hurts my fingers. It hurts my elbow. It hurts my wrist. I don't need to be on this. The minute I can get off it, I want to get off it. If you're healthy. If you're not healthy, then all the filters in the world are not going to help you. So the disease is not being healthy. The disease is not, not enjoying Hashem's world. When I, when I need excitement, I go to Bear Mountains. And I sit on top of a mountain that I can see 500 miles. And I can sit there and I can watch birds. And I can feel wind and I can feel the sun. And I can smell the earth. You can't replace that. It's irreplaceable. It's irreplaceable. I'm not telling you to get it out of a Gemara. Halavai could do that. I'll, I'll end with this story. That's very late. I'll end with the story. The story with, with my Rosh Hashiva or Shmuel Birnbaum. I'm not on that level. I wish I could be on that level. So... 
Shmuel was a big masterman, as everyone knows. He sat, he learned, he learned, he learned. My wedding, he was a Messiah Kedushin. He told me straight up, I cannot, I cannot be Messiah Kedushin unless you start after 8 o'clock. The second Seder starts at 8, stops at 8 o'clock. He will not leave the base marriage one second early. He was, Rav Shmuel ben was, was the master of the dog. There was a guy in Mary Shiva who um, was there forever. Carlo guy, he had like 9, 10 kids. His wife got a very bad cancer. And the, she was young, she was a 40, young 40s. There's no way this guy had no money. There was no way he could take care of these kids without her. She went to the Shashiva. I know this mamish to be Emma's. And he went to the Shashiva and he said to her, Shmuel, listen, I'm a Kyle young I'm here 40 years, 35 years, 40 years. Rashiva, you have to help me. My, my wife is very sick. They're saying three months. I can't. I have, I have a whole family. They're little kids. I can't, I can't do this. You have to help me. So to know Shmuel. Shmuel said, I'm not a Rebbe. And Echbenish became a Kobol. Like, how can I help you? I, I said, learn. I can't help you. So this boy, this man, he did not stop bothering him. He took him and walked him home. He said, I know you're not a Rebbe, and I know that you're not a Makuba, but you're the Gal Hadar. I need you to break this Xera. So finally, Shmuel said, okay, I'll see what I could do, which is not like him. To make a long story short, about a week or two later, um, she was accepted in one of these trials, new medicine, new medication trials, whatever it was, and this new this new medication that the FDA allowed just 50 people. She was picked because of, because of the disease that she had, but my say it worked. Not not for all 50, for like 10 out of the 50, she was one out of the 10. Mamish her cancer went into remission, went into total remission. Because Hashem does need some, he tries to he does it through Teva, so you shouldn't. So this guy came back to Rishmuel. It's maybe a ridiculous story. And he says to Rishmuel, I want to tell Rishashiva that my wife is healthy. They, she took a pet, pet scan. It's gone. She's in remission. Rishashiva shook his head like, okay. Like that, I made him my fist. So he said, as a, he said as a vit, he said, so Rishashiva said he's not a rebbe. Rishashiva said he's not a makobol. Seems to be that Rishashiva is a rebbe. <laughs> and maybe a makobol. So Yeshua looked at him and he said the following, Nehredek. He said, I'll tell you the truth. He said, for so many years, every single day, I talked to Abai and Rava. I never asked them for anything. So after you told me that your wife was so sick, so I said to them, go, you're Abai and Rava. Go in front of Kisa Kavit. This boy's learning so many years. He's in my cargo. His wife is sick. Go break the Xavier. Shmuel Birnbaum, when he learned Gemara, it wasn't words on a piece of paper. When it said, Abaya, Omar, Abaya, Omar, Rava, they were talking to him. He was living, he entered, he pushed enter when he opened one of these. He was in there. So, I'm talking to Abaya, Rava, talk to Gemara, Abaya says this, and Rava says this, so I'm talking to him anyway, so I can ask him, do me a favor. So he said, you yes, do me a favor. Not on that level. That's a Nehudika level. I'm connected to Hashem through nature, through His world. I, I understand that the Gemara and the learning of Torah, your brain, I mean, when you see a Gematria, when you, when you, when you, when you learn certain things, like I didn't get a chance tonight, the whole Gilgul of, of, of Moshe Rabbeinu and, 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 and that he was Kevel and that Kairach was Kayin and that whole shir that I gave many years ago, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling. 
it's deep and it's mind-boggling. The don't have, the Christians don't have a room with Rishonim Achreinim. The Muslims don't have Rishonim Achreinim. Because they can't. Because it's not MS. If you're going to start digging into it, you're going to find the Sheker. We have Rishonim Achreinim and, and, and Gedolim. And these people weren't stupid. One on top of the other, the Pnei Yeshua, and, the, and all these, all these, the Rambam, all these different Svarim, thousands, no, no, tens of thousands of Svarim. There's no other religion that has any Mepharshim. Any Rishayim on their religion. We're not scared. Learn, ask, and you'll find out that it's true. We're not scared. It's, it's a crazy world. I'm a teeny guy in that world. I, I don't speak to Abayan Rav every day. I wish I could. I mean, even if I learn Abayan Rav every day, I'm not speaking to them. Rosh Hashim will speak to them. So he said, yeah, ask them a favor. That's the real world. So we have to, if we get more into the real world, we'll automatically, automatically, Step out of the fake world. Hashem should give you all the kayak to see to see the difference between the real world and the fake world. And Bezrat Hashem and that's course, because Baruch will bring Mashiach and the whole world will see the real world. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.